This is Perspectives. It's the show where an examination of our many differences will often show us how much we really have in common. I'm Condice Presley. It is February, Black History Month. It was originally Negro History Week, created by historian Carter G. Woodson. The second week in February because that week coincided with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, two people very important in the history of African Americans. Now today, many know but may not agree that history, as the renowned collector Bernard Kinsey told me a while back, is really his story because the stories of many African American contributions to these United States don't appear in the books that our kids study. This brings us to Atlanta's Vanishing Black History. It's a series of unique facts that I found a friend of mine posting on Facebook that I thought deserved much greater exposure. So joining us is the historian Skip Mason, who has been a long time since you've been on the show. It's like we figured it out. It's been 27 years since you last visited. He now pastors a church in Augusta. And I'm hoping that these facts that you're putting up now, Skip, will continue not just this month, even with our extra day, 29 days, because it's a leap year, but in perpetuity. So good to see you and thanks good for coming. Good to see on. you, uh, Condas. We do have 29 days. So that means I get to post an extra fact dealing with our history. You know, 29 years ago, you invited me to come and talk about my book, Going Against the Wind, uh, which was my own small contribution to the uh, rich accomplishments of black folks uh, in Atlanta. So I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for being a friend on Facebook and uh, for uh, reading my little moments, sharing some unknown and some known facts about some wonderful people and historical tidbits here in the city. What have been some of the more interesting facts that you've discovered that you had that you wanted folks to know about? Well, when you think about it and you look at old Atlanta, what is old Atlanta? What is old black Atlanta? You know, you look at the areas that consist of the west side of Atlanta, what is now M.L. King, but we knew it as Hunter Street and Ashby Street, Simpson, and, and then moving on into the Kaya Heights area, and then Southwest Atlanta Cascade. And then you have the old Fourth Ward, uh, which, of course, is Auburn Avenue, uh, the bottoms where the Civic Center is. Uh, and many of those places are no longer in existence, the homes and stores and shops. Many families came out. And so I wanted to include images of some of those places, long torn down, uh, but also to look at some of the uh, pioneer men and women uh, who lived in Atlanta at the turn of the century, post-Reconstruction, uh, and whose family members are still here. For example, a Spike Lee. Okay, many folks don't know that Spike was born in Atlanta before his family moved to Chicago and then moved up to New York. Uh, Spike's uh, mother uh, was the uh, daughter of a school teacher here in Atlanta. Uh, Zimmy Shelton, Spike talks about his grandmother and the influence that she had on him. Spike's grandfather came uh, out of Lauren County, Georgia as well. And so connecting the dots, Cam Newton, I just did a piece on Cam and his family. Uh, Cam's father graduated from C.L. Harper High School in 1978. Uh, Cam's mother is from Savannah uh, and his grandfather was a bishop 
uh, Bishop Talmadge Wilder and uh, his family, the Wilder family, came out of Statesboro, Georgia, and their slave ancestry came out of South Carolina. So, you know, Crystal Fox, who was an actress here. She's on the have On the have and, and have, have nots. nots, you know, that her aunt uh, was the great legendary uh, Nina uh, Simone. No, I didn't connect yes, those dots yes, either. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Out of, out of South Carolina. And Nina performed in Atlanta often. Uh, in fact, just maybe a couple of weeks after Dr. King was assassinated, she performed at the Palladium Club. Some of your older seasoned listeners will know about the Palladium Club. It was a huge nightclub on yeah, ba- where was that? Bankhead Highway. A good friend of yours, classmate, Angelique Proctor's great-grandfather was C.L. Harper, the first principal of, you know, Booker T. Washington High School, actress Jasmine Guy. Father was the pastor of Friendship Baptist Church. Uh, and, and so just kind of connecting the, the new with the old and, and, and really tying it all in. At the start of the show, Skip, I suggested that our history is not as well documented as it could be because there are so many of our stories that are not in the books that our kids are studying. Do you think that was a fair assessment on my part? I, I think it's a fair assessment. I would say that we, we have done... Uh, much better than we have, but we have a long way to go. But this, I think, with the building of the museum in D.C., which I'm so excited, uh, Lonnie Bunch is the director of this new Smithsonian Museum of African American History. It's just going to be spectacular, and I can't wait to take my kids and church kids up. Uh, here in Atlanta, uh, we have some great facilities. The wonderful Center for uh, civil, and civil, human rights. civil and Human Rights is a great museum. Oh, it's wonderful. And yes. it has some great exhibits, but there's still a piece of the Atlanta story that has to be told. We got the Apex Museum. It's still doing well. It's still giving tours. You have the Martin Luther King Jr. Center. The Auburn Avenue Research Library is undergoing const- uh, uh, renovation to expand. And so there are different pockets and avenues that we, we have to um, to, t- to tell that story. Documentaries are, are still being done, important pieces. And, and you know what? And I love how Andy Young does so many of those. I Ambassador w- Andrew I Young, was I about say. to say, I, I am enjoying Ambassador Young's uh, documentaries and how he is telling the story from his perspective and the perspective of the eyes that he uh, that he shared the wonderful development of the city of Atlanta. So there there are stories still yet to be unearthed. There are heroes and sheroes still yet to be celebrated in in the city. And I just figured, uh, Condes, that my niche would be my hometown, Atlanta, and and digging up as my company used to be called many, many years ago, um, those individuals and and stories and neighborhoods. Uh, Even today I posted a a picture of an old bus, the Dixie Hill bus, in the Dixie Hill community. Uh, And I had a flood of comments from people who lived in Dixie Hill, okay, who remember, you know, the people, the places, the businesses, and, and what they're doing, and I don't even think they realize it, when they, when they post and write comments, they are sharing the history they're collecting. So if I decide to do another book, which I want to do a book called uh, Skip Mason's Vanishing Black Atlanta, I'm going to have a whole lot of material yes, you will. to choose from. Talk about crowdsourcing it in a great what, way. I mean, in a wonderful way, thanks to the wonderful memories and, and the kind story and, and the ability to upload a picture just like that, a photo. 
you know, from your family albums uh, to scan and to get that out. It's just it's, it's just amazing. I'm so I'm so blessed and and so grateful for this this revival, if you will, because, I, you know, I kind of stopped with the black Atlanta history for a while, you know, did some other things and took some other avenues and all. But that that is still my love and my my, my passion. I remember once, not too long ago, visiting Charleston, and there's a historical tour of Charleston, South Carolina, and I know that there are many historical tours of Atlanta, yeah. Georgia, but the one that I really enjoyed was the Black History Tour yeah. of Charleston, Charleston, which is a great, yeah. great tour. If you were going to recommend for uh, our listeners, my mm-hmm. listeners, and it's a very diverse audience, they wanted to educate themselves more and see some of the things that are unique to Atlanta and Atlanta's black history beyond the big things, the obvious things that we've already mentioned, sure. the Center for Civil and Human Rights and the Apex Museum and the King Center and the federal site, other places, things to see. What sort of, what, what would you put on that tour? You were driving somebody around. That's a that's a good question. Um and what I would do uh, is to sort of start uh, at the, the, the state capitol, okay, because that was once known as Shermantown. And uh, African Americans sort of migrated there following the Civil War, set up tents. Uh, they called it uh, Shantytown as well. And so that was the beginning of the black community and, and, and settlement, where the state capital is now. Eventually, they migrated uh, southward towards what is now the Summer Hill community, uh, where the Atlanta Stadium uh, is, uh, the Ted Stadium is located. Uh, and then over towards the Fourth Ward community, which, of course, is Boulevard and Auburn Avenue, uh, and down, of course, Auburn, um, and and then I would make my way to the west side of Atlanta, which of course is the Atlanta University Center. Uh, well, you have the largest consortium of black schools uh, down, and I'm so accustomed to calling it Hunter Street, but it, it's been ML King since 1976, so I really should. But a bunch be, of us know Hunter be, Street, yeah, West you know Hunter, Hunter Street, Street yes. exactly. You know, and make your way down that way. Now there are a number of wonderful tour companies. Uh, Dwight McQueen has one that does Auburn Avenue and Tom. Oh yeah, Tom Howe, who yeah, used to Tom, drive for Dr. King. Yeah, yes. Tom has a, a bus tour now. Yeah, and he's on Facebook as well. That I've not gr- been on yet and he's been inviting me to come and I promised him I would come. Uh, and, and so there are opportunities and, and I'm glad he is including the west side of Atlanta because the west side somehow gets left out of the, the story. And it's time to see the West Side now because if Mayor Reed has his way and Arthur Blank has his yeah. way, the transformation of Atlanta's West Side is going to be something quite great with the new stadium going in and all of the other development that is happening well, in that area. Well, I, I, I hope so. My, my heart broke into a million tiny pieces when uh, it was announced that, you know, friendship would be torn down and, and, and Mount Vernon as well. You know, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but those are sacred spaces. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, I don't understand, but I do understand. But I hope that uh, the mayor and the city council and others who have pledged their support of the West Side will, will do that. You know, my alma mater, uh, Morris Brown now is just uh, confined to one area. 
the historic Gaines Hall, which is a dormitory my mother stayed in when she was a yeah, freshman, burned. 1952, caught on fire. Last year, I remember. Last year, uh, just broke a lot of our hearts. But the building had already been abandoned. Like, the Olympic Stadium that was given to Morris Brown, now it's filled with, with graffiti. You should see it. I drove yeah. by, by it today. Hickman Hall. And so all of that side, the Sarah Allen Dormitory, torn down, demolished. The Joe Lewis Gymnasium was torn down years ago. Maurice White of Earth, Wind and Fire died last week or so. Maurice White performed at Morris Brown. Earth, Wind and Fire performed at Morris Brown around 1974. Yeah, people in the forget gym. that integration yeah. as it happened here in Atlanta, the city too busy to hate. That's right. Still was... There were still places where blacks played and then places where African-Americans could not play. Exactly. And and so a phenomenal group that it would become, Earth, Wind & Fire, performed on a small black college stage gym uh, on the campus of Morris Brown and Morehouse and Clark as well. They had great entertainers. And, and so I'm committed to preserving through the written record and, and oral history, the greatness of the West Side. Because that's the side I grew up on. Yeah. You know, on Chapel Road, born on Simpson, grew up on Chapel before we moved out. Uh, my stepfather and his, his his dad and uncles owned a, a cab stand on Ashby. I remember the area well. And so that's the area that I grew up in and have great fond memories of as a high school student at Thero marching in the band. Now, you know how the black homecoming parades used to be? Oh, yes. Coming down Ashby, up ML King to the Morris Brown Bridge. Yeah, you really go to the game. You went for homecoming. You went, you went, you, you went, went for halftime. Went for halftime, you know, and to look and to. Just like to, we all did for the Super Bowl a few see, days ago. That's of course. To look, to, to see and to be seen. That's, that's why you attended these games. Um, and then, of course, attending Morris Brown and, and also Auburn Avenue is a great street. It is the, as John Wesley Dobbs called it, the richest Negro street in the world. Uh, but I want to give some attention to the West Side and the shell of the old historic Pascals is still standing, you know, I. I wish I had the money to turn it into a to, museum to or turn something. it into a museum or to something that could celebrate African-American entrepreneurship. The old Auburn Avenue, the, the old Ashby Street uh, Theater is still there next to the Atlanta Business League. That would be a great place for a community. A I know theater. when my career first started, I actually covered meetings. In the old Pascals. You did. I had lunch now with the new Pascals, in the new a Pascals. lot of times. Yeah. But, but no, that's still, I mean, that's where the SCLC and all the organizations would have their meetings. And even in the early days of my that, career, I still covered stuff there. That was a Negro headquarters in Atlanta. Pretty if much. you wanted to run for office, black or white, and you needed the black vote, you went to Pascals. You went to the coffee shop. You went to be baptized by all kind of characters who were sitting up in there to be greeted by the beautiful and charming Miss Sherman, who was the hostess for Pascals and for the La Carousel. And, and, and so I've, I've been to the new Pascals many times. It's beautiful, great ambiance. Um, the food is has improved tremendously. Uh, well, it's true. Yeah, it's really uh, it has. It's improved no, tremendously. No, the food is delicious. Yeah, yes. it's delicious. But uh, something about that old place. So, I don't know. We have to do a better job. Well, I'm a historian, you know. I so, now, let's 
and there are still listeners today who enjoy books okay. and enjoy reading. I've read yours and just finishing up uh, another one where Peachtree meets Sweet Auburn, yes. which is a great, great a book great about book. our city. Yeah. But let's tell people the titles again of your books if they okay. want to go by and, and learn a little more sure. about the history of the city and the many great peoples that it has produced, uh, how are they going to do well, that? Well, I appreciate that. The books are actually, some of them are available on Amazon. They have been out of print for a number of years, but Going Against the Wind, uh, A Pictorial History of African Americans in Atlanta was the first book. Uh, then there were a series of books. Uh, the, first, the second one was Black Entertainment in Atlanta, uh, which looked at the entertainment scene, all of the wonderful nightclubs and entertainment establishments, the Royal Peacock, the Top Hat, the Magnolia Ballroom, the City Auditorium, which is now part of uh, Georgia State's campus. That's where I saw the Jackson 5 in concert. I saw the Jackson 5. That was my very first concert. 71-ish That's right. around that time. We were at the same concert. Yes, we were. My daddy yeah. bought me those tickets. It was a great show. It was a great show. And I just recently watched Spike's documentary. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. It's on the list. Amazing. It's just amazing. Any rate, uh, Black Entertainment in Atlanta is another one. Uh, Black Atlanta in the Roaring Twenties, which is one of my favorite eras, and I decided to look at Atlanta in the 1920s because we see the rise of a black middle class, many social organizations and groups civic-minded. It was an era of Tiger Flowers, the first black middleweight boxing champion, my hero. I've written a screenplay uh, on his life. Uh, maybe that'll be my ticket out of poverty one day. I don't know. We'll see. Um, then we have black politics, law, and civil rights, which looks at the political history of Atlanta from the 1880s until 1917. And then, of course, black DeKalb County. Um, and then I did a few East Point. Uh, mayor Patsy Joe Hillett, the first black mayor, mm -hmm. commissioned me to do a book on blacks in uh, East Point. So those are some of the ones that I, I have done that deals with Atlanta and metropolitan Atlanta history. And uh, you can put in Skip Mason on Amazon or Black Atlanta on Amazon, and some of the titles will come up. And if not there, you know, there are still a bunch of us who occasionally will visit a library. They are in the libraries. Skip Mason, it's a pleasure. Let's not make it another 27 years, okay? Condes, thank you, my dear. And now a few minutes with Peter Max. He is one of the most famous of all living artists. His bold colors, uplifting images, uncommon artistic diversity have touched almost every phase of American culture and inspired generations. Your chance to talk to Peter and see his work coming up on Saturday at the Wentworth Gallery, Phipps Plaza from 1 to 3, and then Perimeter Mall from 5 to 8. So now you are a pop legend, an icon. I could go on with the ways people have described you and your work. You burst onto the scene in the 60s. How did you determine that that was what your style was going to be? Gee, I, if I knew, I would tell you. It's just, I think it just evolved slowly, just from day to day, week to week, month to month, and left a few years. You know, I was into this tremendous style, and I was very well known suddenly all over the United States. And I was on every cover of every magazine in America. It was unbelievable. And when you got that first cover, how did you react to that? Do you remember what that felt like? I, it was unbelievable. You know, remember, remember when Life magazine was the biggest magazine in America one time? And I was on the cover of Life. I couldn't believe it. About 11 pages inside, I think, or nine pages. It was unbelievable. You have been commissioned to do so much special work. 
I mean, the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the World Cup, the Indy 500, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. People have seen your work even most recently on The Voice for NBC. When you get when you get a gig like that, uh, how do you go about figuring out exactly what it is you're going to do and how you're going to tell that story in pictures? It's it's even hard to tell, but you know what happens? It's just spontaneous. When I get the when they ask me to do something, I come up with an idea right there and then, and boom, and I just do it. And what's next? What's next? <laughs> when did you know you were going to be an artist? Is this something that was encouraged by your your parents, or was it just something? I think I was already in you? Uh, yeah. drawing and painting when I was maybe like eleven, twelve. And then when I got out of high school, I drew a lot. And next thing I knew, uh, I don't know how it happened. I got um, I went to 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 the an art school. And uh, I was there every day, and I loved it, and I started doing posters. It was just amazing. I just grew and grew and grew. It never stopped till this day, you know. Still going on today. Magazine co- I've done thousands of magazine covers. It's unbelievable. If you had to pick one or two of your favorites, can you, or are they all your favorites? I'll give you the easy out. I The easy out is they're all my favorites. I've done so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those, thousands, you know that they're all beautiful each one of them when i look at it you know someday i look at some of them and they're five years old sometimes i look at them and they're 20 years old and they were all favorites of mine when they came out it was amazing you've done portraits of many celebrities uh, are they fun to work with any good stories you could share well i've done so many celebrities it's mind-boggling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them and i love doing them i half of them i got to meet and half of the half i got to be best friends with and I'm still friends with so many of the most amazing people in the world, all because of my work. It's amazing. And you're a big music fan, of course. You've done Taylor Swift. You've done Liza Minnelli. Oh, yeah. As I said, Everybody. you did Steven Tyler. How does music yeah. influence your art? Oh, I love music. I'm a huge music lover, and I, you know, I, I, it's, I just love music. And for me to be involved in the music world is so nice for me. I did the Grammys many times, and so many may, yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and so forth. Yeah. If somebody were going to pin you down, as I'm going to try to right now, and ask you to describe the technique that gives your work its signature, uh, what is it that does that, you know, when, you're, when your material is printed? It's really hard to tell. You know, over the last 20 years or so, it's so evolved. And every year it was slightly different, evolved from one to the next. Every year was a different look, a different feeling. Color blends is a huge subject of mine. I love to color blend and I love painting it's just fun all this stuff comes out so nice what an ideal idyllic actually childhood you had growing (coughs) up all over the world I would imagine that also has influenced you and influenced your eye on art especially growing up in China living in China for the first 10 years of my life can you imagine I lived in Shanghai City unbelievable not only have you done portraits of artists you've done portraits of presidents and I understand that you and President Reagan had a very special relationship. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Oh, well, we were good friends. And I got to be friends with all of them. They're all fantastic people. I'm lucky because when you, when you get to paint some of these idyllic, I, I, you know, amazing, these fantastic people, you get to become friends with them. You know them for a few hours, and you paint them, and sometimes it's a few days, and Sometimes I know them for years and years. It's fantastic. 
Peter, when people come out to see you at the Wentworth Gallery on Saturday, either at Phipps Plaza or Perimeter Mall, what do you want them to see and take away from your work? Well, it's the artwork. You know, whatever I draw and paint, the color blends, the subject matters, the brushstrokes, the mountains, the valleys, the clouds, all those things I do, the portraits. And I like people just to enjoy it, and they do. And they, they take it to their homes and and of course, so much of my stuff has been reproduced in lithographs and posters. So it's all over. Thousands of museums, not just one, thousands of museums have my work. You are indeed an iconic artist. Peter Max, we look forward to seeing you here in Atlanta in the next week. Thank you very much for your time. Well, thanks for having me. All the best to you, my sweetie. You too. Take good care. Yes, thank you. Bye. The Peter Max exhibit Saturday from 1 to 3 at Phipps Plaza at the Wentworth Gallery, and then that evening from 5 to 8 at the Wentworth Gallery at Perimeter Mall. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, my handle is Condo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.